Dear Cast, I found your book. Ral, one of the jackals I mentioned, left it in the remains of their camp on the Sharrow. It's an incredible thing. I, I recognise so much of my home in it, even a few things that I didn't even know. I'd been planning to keep it, but since you're still around, I thought you might like it back. I hope you continue to work on it, though. I fear that the land we both know is lost with the Sharrow's death. The book is a fitting tribute. If you plan to continue working on it, and if you would indulge me, I would be glad to offer my perspective. There are, of course, a few changes I'd make, such as your descriptions of the Veilwing's nesting habits. I've seen them building their nests much further north than you ascribe, or in your descriptions of the rituals and celebrations of the people that live here. I bow to your wisdom on the Mishiks, but others like Ninut, who still keep their old strange ways, I can definitely help you describe those. When you're ready to talk more about your book, I do have several more comments to add. I am glad you're still around. Vens. Hey everyone, it's Ryan here. Got a couple of announcements I wanted to make. We're very excited to say that we've just released the rules. So that means if you want to make your own game set in Rhine, which is the world in which our podcast takes place, you can. Adam has released them on his site. So if you follow the link down in the description, you can get an early set of the rules, which will be changing possibly as things get updated and added into them. Also, we've created a Discord for everyone that listens to the show to take part in. It's just a small space where people can come and talk about the podcast, but also things that they like and maybe meet some like-minded people that share your interests. You can also find that in the description below. Anyway, on with the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories set in big worlds. I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon. And joining me today are Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Thryn. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Elizabeth Simones. Hey, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at Games, And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So we left off just after the meeting, I think, about where, where you're going to take the caravan of people next. And from that, there were like two options. One was you could go north to Embrace, uh, which is a city like quite far away where the jackals or the tenders are based and see whether... See what their motivation for coming down to the shower was, see what they, they saw, and try and like use information that they have to, to work out what's going on with the thing under the mountain. Uh, the other option was to go east into a territory called Senya and head to a town called Eulogy. You were following some evidence given by Kaylin, who was a member of your group, who had seen someone leaving from beneath the mountain and heading in that direction. So I think the scene we have in a minute is everyone's still within the valley, or like within the canyon, uh, still spread around the little islands, but kind of coming together a little bit more. I think the word has kind of gone around to different groups to get yourself ready to move. And I think that's kind of what's happening. Like people are going around, they're making sure that the injured are seen to, they're making sure that people get some food before we start moving. And I think, as I said last time, I think it's a couple of weeks journey to eulogy. And I think the next couple of episodes are kind of covering that journey. Um, and because from the start of the show, I've been putting a lot of pressure onto a group, I think these two weeks of journeying are kind of a chance for your characters to to get done what they want to get done. And I think a lot of those early scenes might be in this these initial moments where the caravan's getting ready to move. But as we keep going, like it might be that there's like days between when you set the scenes, and it could be that a future scene is like, well, we're on the move. And then a scene after that is like, a mile out of Senya, or a mile out of Eulogy, and we can kind of progress the journey from that. I think I'd like to start 
um, with Charla, because I, I don't think we saw much or any of Charla last episode. So Charla, where are you? What are you doing now? What were you doing while a meeting was going on? I think the last time we saw your character, you were kind of in the caves, having just taken on Strail, and we saw Charla kind of uncharacteristically upset. Of all of Charla's actions, this is the one I've been most nervous about. Because uh, there's a whole new section of Chala that I don't understand. I know Chala doesn't understand. I guess one of the things I had, there are a couple different things I was thinking of doing. One of them being, well, most of the people that Chala would have been talking to are, were all in a meeting. And I know for certain that Chala's avoiding her immediate family because it's very difficult right now, and I don't think Jala generally stays around for any of that. I mean, if you want, um, like, a thing that kind of makes sense to me is for someone to kind of prompt Jala out of a thing, like if Jala is alone somewhere. One of the things that I heard in my head, in case, like, you weren't sure, was the idea of one of the very first scenes we saw was, like, you waking Corin out of a funk, and whether we get, like, the reverse scene of, like, Corin coming to you and being like, Come on, you're better than this. Everything's going to be okay. I think that makes more sense because I couldn't. I think taking initiative at the, right at this moment might be very difficult. That's fair. So, where do you think Chala is? Probably still at the trees. I would say Chala is on one of the very low routes, but had to climb a little bit to get there. Okay. I think Corin kind of arrives at the bottom of the trees uh, and and kind of looks up and starts climbing towards you. Hey, are you okay? I don't think Charla answers. I think Corin keeps climbing. Like, I, I think he kind of didn't expect an answer, but just kind of like climbs up and, and then he kind of like inches his way along to sit alongside you. Sits there in silence for a moment and then just kind of like nudges you with his elbow. Uh, is everything okay? No. Everything is different and scary. I think for the first time, like he turns to look at you properly. I'd like to think that I, like, I don't quite understand how the remnants work, but I would like to think that there's some sort of physical change. Do you think that Corin could see? Well, Corin has some kind of ability to... I can't remember this exactly, but Corin has some sort of dream ability. Yeah, I, I I think like the extent of Corin's abilities is a thing that hasn't been fully set like on purpose. But yeah, I, I think it's a thing that he can see. I think in your case, like the, the thing that we described for other people that have been touched by Strail in some way is like their eyes change a little bit, and like there's like almost like a an ice shard in like the iris, like the colourful bit. Yeah, and I think he kind of like looks at that for like a second too long and then like looks away oh no to strail talk to people via my eyes oh dear he doesn't quite know how to tackle this right like it's such a big thing yeah he just wants to tackle this in the way that he knows how as a kid to be like hey come on it's okay like let's go play but he also knows that this is bigger than that i get that it's hard i it's not the same but you know that i've been through something similar like when when with my mum, and you help me through that. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you through that. I've, I've never. We lost so many, and we, tr- and we tried so hard to not lose them, and it happened anyway. And what I tried didn't work, and it's gone bad. I know. I saw what you tried to do in there. Not all of it. He, like, gives you, like, a look to say, like, go on, what do you mean? Strail didn't go. Strail's not one of them that we lost. I can see. I know. For the second time, he, like, looks into your eyes, like, and maybe, like, touches your cheek and, like, goes, yeah, I, I can see. What does it mean? I don't know. I think he, like, moves his hand away from your cheek, places it on top of one of your hands, and just, like, if you let him, of course, like, he, he kind of moves closer to hug you. I think 
Chala just cries. Yeah, I think he just sits in silence for a while and, and just, like, holds you. After, like, an amount of time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long you, like, sit there, he just kind of, like, sighs and goes, are we going to climb this tree or what? That sounds great. I bet we can get all the way to the top. He looks up and, like, looks back at you and goes, I bet you can. Well, let's just go halfway. Let's just go halfway. Okay. It's been a very long day. I think at another point, um, Chala would kind of make a plan or, like, talk to Corin on who to talk to next. Or just ask, like, if Corin's ever heard of anyone carry a remnant. Okay. So there's another scene that I'd maybe like to see, which is maybe, like, you're halfway up the trees. And I think almost like the roots, which kind of like weave in and out of the canyon walls on this side, I think they start to change in some places at least into like tree branches that kind of like just rise out the sides of the canyons. And you started to climb up one of these. And I think maybe you're kind of like sat on there and you're having this conversation with him. Corin. Yeah? Have... You ever heard of this happening before? He shakes his head. I don't I don't think so. Why? Well, there's no stories in the cookbook about this. I've never heard of it. I don't know who to talk to. I don't want to scare anyone. You're you're probably like maybe like twenty or thirty feet up by now. And like you're probably like at a point where you can kind of like sit. And, like, you're looking down on the village as you're having this conversation and, like, looking at people. Yeah, so I was thinking, too. Like, kind of pointing down at, well, there's... What about Vilta? I don't know Vilta very well. I believe in Vilta, but this is pretty big. And she came here to fix the remnant problem. What if the remnant problem was Strail? And I don't want to be the problem. Like, he maybe, like, squeezes your hand a little tighter. Callan came back and was different after after you went to Strail, but I'm not sure about him. I could ask Strail, but I don't think Strail will give me a straight answer. What, what about Vens? The Snarl? He worries me. If anyone knows anything about Remnants, it's probably him. He, he served the Shadow. He told me himself. Will you come with me? He nods. We could also talk to Ayov, but he seemed really upset when I asked Strail to bring people back. Maybe. We can ask more than one person, I guess. Let's start with Fens. That makes sense. But you have to be with me. He nods some more. First, though, let, let's, let's see if we can make it all the way. Do you climb with him? Mm-hmm. Okay. The tree is imagining it is quite thick and is quite easy to climb. Uh, it's got a lot of like very gnarled branches that kind of twist and like give you good like footholds. It's also like covered in leaves in the higher reaches, which which you can get to quite easily. And I think as you approach them, you kind of put your foot down and one of the branches shakes. And as the branch shakes, the leaves begin to shake. And then all of a sudden, like, the leaves just explode off the tree. And, like, the leaves change from being leaves, like these green, large leaves, into, like, fluttering birds that fly out across the canyon and into into the forest above you. And it's the first bird that you've seen in, like, months. What? They're smallish, like the size of a sparrow. They have sort of deep green bodies and wings. The colour of chlorophyll. And they seem to have like like a weird tendril coming from their belly that they use to like attach to trees and like they kind of serve in this symbiotic sense as like the trees leaves. And you've just disturbed them and have kind of flown away uh, to find something new to attach to. That's amazing. I think like Corin just cheers and like probably draws the attention of a bunch of people further down the valley who kind of like look up and watch these birds kind of flutter away. That's fantastic. 
I like the idea that this is just after Briss has left the meeting to try and come looking for Corrin, and she hears him cheering like 20 feet off the cliff. <laughs> Corrin! Corrin, what are you doing? I say, we're at least 40 feet up now. I mean. Okay. Yeah, even worse. Um, how does everyone else react? Does anyone on the, on the floor have any reactions to this? I mean, Vans is 100% up for birds, right? <laughs> he is. Suddenly wandering away from that meeting and eyes up in the sky, looking at these cool birds. So I think amongst the community who are kind of in the canyon, it, it feels like a moment for hope, almost. It's like a little bit of a good omen. I think perhaps maybe even people see it as the birds returning-ish, you know? It's a nice thing for them to see and gives them hope for the future, even after everything they've lost. Okay, um, should we wrap that scene up there? Yeah. Okay. Who would like to go next? I think a scene that I'd maybe like to see is between Venz and Cast, because we haven't had that moment yet. I've still got his book, uh, A Guide to Khan Veskel, Flora and Fauna, the book that he wrote that I took from his shack. Nice. Okay. Um, so where are you when you see each other again or meet again? Describe this moment. Um, well, I'm assuming I haven't seen him at all since coming out of the caves and coming to, I guess. He's probably seen you, I think, but you maybe haven't seen him. You've, you've kind of been a little bit too busy to kind of really take stock. Okay. I think, like, Ven's obviously extremely surprised. Like, he, you know, all the things that he's seen throughout the years, like, he's never seen somebody back from the dead. <laughs> Like, you've probably seen a ghost before, but maybe, like, not in this way. Definitely in the way that you're saying, like, I've seen a ghost, I've maybe seen a spirit before. But maybe not just after burying somebody, seeing them corporeal again. Yeah, you'd have expected that spirit to be kind of, like, near the body, but no, they just left. I think Venz is going to be really cautious here, and not reveal too much too quickly, to see if that like Cass is going to explain anything or okay are you like sat somewhere or did you bump into each other what like set the scene up I think um Venz has just come away from this meeting and you know he's a bit more optimistic about the group's future and he's coming away seeing the birds and then all of a sudden he sees Cass maybe sat lent against a tree or I like the idea that he'd be sat there, like, waiting for you. He's, like, stood leaning against some rocks, and, like, Leaf is just, like, laid by his feet. Well, if he's been waiting for me, then it'd be rude not to uh, go and have a quick chat. He, like, looks up at you and he's like, hey, pal. Cast, it's... it's been so long. When was the last time we saw each other? Hmm. Three years ago, Mashik. We had that issue with Leaf here, and he just kind of, like, he kind of, like, gives the dog, like, a gentle pet, but, like, his foot kind of clips through it a little bit. Never get used to that. So, what brought you out here? I think he just, like, looks himself up and down, and just looks at you and goes, well, there were a few, uh, unforeseen events. Wasn't expecting the shower to go down like that. Then one leave here to have to cope on his own. Kind of smiles and then like looks at you and goes, "What about you? Not seen you around this many people before." Recent events have just pushed us together, you know. I've had to help these people as much as they've had to help me through this time. Losing the shower was tough, and I still really don't know what what to do next, you know. Strikes me that you spent your whole life grounded to something. Now that's gone, and. Well, people like me, if we're lucky, we find something to be grounded to. A lover, a place, maybe even a pet like Leaf. But people like you, you're, you're always tethered. Maybe you just have to cope without that for a while. And like he looks around and goes, You've always got these people. If push comes to shove, they ain't so bad. So, Cast, tell me, what really happened to you? Because... I swear you shouldn't be here. And I don't want to go too much into it right now, but 
I'm very surprised to see you here. Um, like, this sounds like a roll. Or, like, do you have any bonds on him? No, I don't. Okay. So, yeah, I think this sounds like a roll. Just to see whether I can, what, get the information out of him. Yeah, to see, like, why he's willing to share with you, right? So I think this sounds like a manipulate, uh, which is when you try and convince an NPC to do something you want, roll. On a hit, they do it and choose one. On a seven to nine, choose two. Yeah, I think, like, I think it's quite peaceful right now. We've had a bit of downtime and, you know, I'm more just intrigued about what his answer is going to be. You're still, like, heavily wounded as well, aren't you? Yeah, I, I mean, that's next on my list of things <laughs> I'd like to sort out, but... Yeah. I think it's the calm after everything that's happened, and it... Yeah, you're not in, like, direct danger. Okay. Make your roll, I guess. What is your peaceful? That's an eight. Uh, my peaceful's plus one. Okay. Okay, so on an eight, um, you choose two. Um, so it's either you owe them tribute... You're going to need to give them something up front. You need to do a favour first, or you need to give a piece of yourself, body, or spirit. So you need to choose two. I think I'm going to go with owe them tribute and give them something? I mean, you do have the book, right? That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Maybe Venza knows that Cass would never have left this book intentionally, especially like since it being his... like main work while he was living alone so i think that that's going to be like a big thing for him to realize that i have it knowing that i've been to his his shack so i would have seen what happened okay obviously it heavily implies that i've been there seen what was left and you know what's going on (laughs) yeah i think that's what he asks like he's just there like wait you you've been there you uh you saw me and he looks kind of embarrassed, I guess. Guess I, I, I took you out. I, I took you to the forest. I, I did what I thought you'd wanted us to do. You did what was right. Thank you. I guess I owe you one. I think um, you gain a bond on Cast for that. Did you see anything else there? A book? Did those bastards take it? Not if I can help it. And I ruffle through my pouch and pull out his uh, his guide to Count Veskel. I think he takes it and like lays it down next on like the rock next to him. I think his guns laid there. And I think he lays it down next to that. You've done me a service. I thank you. This was this was a life's work. It means a lot to have it here. I know it was a life's work, but are you on your second life now? Well. uh... I'm not really sure how this stuff works, sir. I made a promise to the Shadow and made a promise to protect this one here. And he, like, nods down to Leaf again. I guess as long as Leaf needs protecting, I'm, I'm gonna be here. Oh, I'm sorry. It had to end and begin again that way. That's death. I haven't got around to that one myself yet. By the state of you, it well, it ain't going to be long. You should get yourself looked at. I've been trying to. <laughs> I guess there's like not much that's like physically wrong with you, but like, oh no, wait, there is. There's definitely some yeah, stuff that's I've physically been, wrong with you. Pretty, pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, um, I need attention. <laughs> I need a, I need a Belka story time. I think to heal my wounds. Son, you need a doctor. Be that one first, and then story time. Um, do you have anything else you want to say to him? I think maybe I just reach and clasp his shoulder, you know, and just... I think your hand, like, starts to go through him. And, like, he he, he kind of, like, shuffles a little bit. And, like, you probably, like, move your hand back to be where approximately his shoulder will be. I think he touches you on your shoulder, and, like, this time it is physical. See you around, I guess. Yeah, I think I'm heading away from him. Just leave him to have some time. Okay. Um, Belka, do you have an idea of what, what's happening with you in a minute? Uh, Belka is loitering after the seemingly eternal directions meeting, uh, waiting to talk to Vilta, I think, for probably the first time, properly, since the cave incident. Sure. 
I, I think we already established that Briss kind of took off, like, partway through, and I think, like, Venn's kind of did the same. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming people, once the decision has been made, are kind of spreading out to, like, get their things or their family together or get healed or any of that. Yeah. I think Jeddah and Vilta, like, sit and chat to each other for, for a little bit, and then, like, Jeddah kind of, like, nods and, like, walks to leave, and maybe, like... Just taps you on the arm as as she passes, and moves off the island. And it's just you two alone now. So Vilta is still where she was. I think she's like sat on the ground, um, propped up against a rock. I think she's still looking quite frail and quite thin. There's a lot less vibrance in her than what you're used to. But I think there's still like the steeliness in the eyes. She she looks up at you and and smiles and and says, "Come sit." And, like, taps the ground next to her. Uh, Belkris was already sitting on the ground. Okay, sorry. Further away. But that's, no, that's okay, because they're just going to scoot over, like, kind of a hands and feet crab situation, just, like, scuttle over. <laughs> I, I think she, like, smiles and, like, even laughs. They're going to sit sort of right in front of her, rather than next to her, and kind of take her face in their hands turn it in the light a little bit, looking really serious, kind of examining Vilter, and then sort of sit back and think for a second and then go, you look terrible. Yeah, I'm tired. What can I say? M- man- many things. Maybe the best place to start is with an apology. Boker is going to nod very approvingly. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I couldn't tell you the whole truth. A lot of that is because I didn't know it myself. I didn't know that any any of this could happen. I think she like goes to like sweep her arm with that, but like kind of like half lifts it and then thinks better of it. Like there's a lot of tiredness. Seems to have just like suddenly crept in her now that the meeting's over. I'm sorry that you have to see me like this. And And I'm sorry for putting you in danger. All of you in danger for taking that decision away from you. I should I should have never have left like that. Belka seems reasonably satisfied with that. Moves out of Vilta's face a little bit, sits back and settles down. The danger I do not mind. But the leaving we look away for two minutes, and Vilta is gone, like a wind or a dream, but then not gone because we find you very asleep. For so long. It was very boring, Filter. And this is unforgivable to me. (laughs) And then kind of winks a little bit. Kind of poke them in the arm a little bit and say, Well, how do you feel? I... I feel okay. Frustrated more than anything. I just need to get my strength back. I, I am sorry, though. I'm sorry for leaving you like that. It's okay. We followed you. We thought maybe you would not want us to, but we did it anyway, so perhaps all of us are sorry. You most, though. I saw. I saw how you convinced them. <laughs> Velka snorts undignifiedly there. <laughs> convinced <laughs> is a strong word. These people are stubborn, Vilta. I can see why you like them. She smiles at that. I see you've been up to a lot since we last met. Belka kind of slightly proudly, I think, shows off the vine-mangled arm that they're currently sporting. I I, I think, like, Vilta kind of, like, looks at it and it's like, that'll scar well. And scars, scars tell such fantastic stories. Thanks for staring them to a decision. I don't know whether we're going the right way, but I think it means a lot that it's, well, at least in this small group, was unanimous. I think Berka is going to kind of pat Vilter on the shoulder semi-reassuringly and say like, any direction is the right one if we go that way with purpose. And then kind of squint at Vilter and say, do we have purpose? We do. We, whatever that was, whatever that thing means, we have to stop it. I need your help with this. You, Ioff, Nilcat, Arkan. There's nobody I can trust more. Belka smiles and looks quite proud. 
but also shrugs a bit. We did not do a great job. You got them here, didn't you? We got some of them here. It was more than I did. I got none of them on side. Becca sort of laughs and says, They followed you asleep, not us awake. They followed the story of me. And if that story spread, I know that you're the one behind it. They definitely look proud about that. It's going to be hard. Harder than anything you've faced before. I saw a glimpse of that thing while I was in the caves, and it will consume everything they're here. If we cannot convince them to follow us, their lives are forfeit. Verka sort of looks down at their hands and fiddles a little bit, with like their nails and the ground and their scarf, and... I'll do my best. And if I fail, what is there left of me to consume? Your stories. And she just smiles and leans back against the rock. Do you think you're strong enough to carry me? Yes. And like you you probably like carry her back towards the caravan. And I think we cut there. Um Who haven't we done? Was it Steve? Was it Briss? Yeah. Okay. Um what what is Briss up to? Uh I really want to chat to Corin. Um if he's keeping Chala company, then I'd probably sort of recognize that and leave him be for the time being. Sure. Um, I might even wait for him to to come to me. Although, I think Briss realizes that she probably needs to initiate something and doesn't really know how to start it, so she's going to wait for him. So I think the scene that might be quite nice is... Um... Like, we cut from everyone being in the canyon to having an image of, like, everyone kind of packing up and starting to move as a column up the side of the canyon wall towards Senya. And, like, as they're kind of picking their way up this, like, snaking, narrow path, I imagine, like, Briss is walking and, like, maybe a couple of groups ahead of Briss, just, like, together. You can see, like, Corin and Charla walking as well. Actually, I think I think Briss is going to pick up her pace a bit and catch the two of them up. Okay. Are you trying to like listen, or are you trying to join in that conversation? Maybe. I think she's going to walk a, a few paces behind them, not trying to hide. Maybe sort of catch Corin's eye if he looks back, but not interrupt if they're deep in a conversation. I don't know. Um, are you deep in conversation, Charla? Probably just... A mixture of small chat about where we're going and just being in each other's silences. Sure. Are they still holding hands? Yeah, I would. Okay. I think so. I'm going to quietly say, um, Corin, I'm. I'm going to go and scout ahead. Is this like as you squeeze past them? Uh, no, I'm, I'm. I'm behind them at this point. I sort of walk up, tap them on the shoulder gently, and say, Corin, I'm. I'm going to go and. Gonna go and scout ahead. Do you want to come along? He like looks at you, looks back at Charla. I, I I think this is the perfect time for your move, right? Your guardian move. See, I'm I'm not trying to get him to do as I say. This is a question. Does he want to? Yeah, but I still think that's a part of it, right? Okay. Like like I I think it kind of sets the mood for like how he's feeling towards you. Yeah. Cool. All right. So. So the move is, the first time that your charge is in your care in a session, roll. On a 10 plus, hold 3. On a 7 to 9, hold 1. Spend hold 1 for 1 to get your charge to do as you say. Okay, I'm going to roll scared, because I think she's quite nervous about this whole situation. This is the first time she's really talked to him. <laughs> it's been a couple of days and she still hasn't talked to her so-called son. Um, <laughs> and fucked it. Oh, seven <laughs> seven is six. mixed, though. Seven? Oh, no, so, okay, yeah, sorry, I forgot about the plus one. Okay. Okay, uh, like, so, so you do hold one, at least. I think Corin kind of, like, looks back at you after looking at Charla and goes, like, can Charla come? We oh, were supposed um, to go on a, cam- on a camping trip. You promised. Yeah. A camping trip? Can I come too? <laughs> yeah! Um, yeah, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the time for that right now, Charla, but... Um, yeah, you can come. Um, just, just please stay close to me and no climbing, okay? Can you, can you promise me that? What about jumping? And I think at like that point, like, Corin just like jumps, 
like holding like Chala's hands, like pulls Chala up as well. This I I think Coin's like in quite like a silly mood at the minute, which is like a mood that we've not really seen him in. So, so I think what he does is he is he kind of like after after the jump, like kind of tugs on Chala's hand and then goes, "Let's go scouting!" and just starts running, and like looks looks back towards you and it's like, "Come on, Briss, keep up." Um, <laughs> Briss is like looking around, panicked, almost like a like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, let's. Oh no. I think once they're a little bit clear of the rest. She's gonna say, Corin, you need to be careful. You, I know, I know you think this is fun, but being out here is extremely dangerous, and you need to know what's dangerous and what's safe. And I can teach you that. You can't just experiment. You can't just run off on your own and do things without my help. You need me around to keep you safe. Do you understand? Um, like this feels like a role. Or, or it feels like something you could use your hold for if you wanted to. No, I don't think I'm going to. Okay. Because I think his response either way is like to nod, but like whether or not he is committed to that is another question. No, I'll, I, I, like, I like the idea of leaving that up to him. Look, it's... I don't know how to explain this. I had never really understood either. It's, it's my job to go into danger. It's my job to do the things that are dangerous so that other people don't have to. But you just said everything is dangerous. I mean, everything can be dangerous. Not everything is dangerous. There's there's a lot more than danger in the world. I mean, look at that. And she sort of motions out across the canyon. I mean, technically that's dangerous, but just look at it. It's It's beautiful. And there's a lot of the world that's like that. It's beautiful, but it can kill you. And you have to know which bits are which. I, I think, like, Corin just starts crying here. Like, full-on crying. Oh, no. What did I say? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what did I say? So, so the thing that's happened is you just, like, waved across a canyon. Yep. And said it's beautiful, but can kill you. Yep. <laughs> and Aya died by falling off a, into a canyon? Yeah. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean I didn't mean that. It just it's it's it's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't be there for her. I'm sorry. Um, I think Corin's just like squeezing very tightly on Charlotte's hand at the minute, and like he's not like stepping away, but he like his body language is kind of like frozen a bit. Um, um, Briss sort of nervously puts one hand on on his shoulder, says. I'm so sorry, Karen. I everything I did, I all I ever wanted to do was to keep her safe. And I couldn't. And that's 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 one of the worst things about the world is you can't you can't keep everybody safe, but, but you can try. And I can try and I can be here for you and I can keep you safe. Please, but you have to let me. But you couldn't protect her. Why why can't you teach me to protect myself like you? If you can look after yourself, why can't I? Because the life I live, it's going to be shorter than yours. I put myself into dangerous situations, and no matter how prepared I am, something's going to go wrong. Someday. That's that's a fact. That's reality. I have to. It has to be me. If I train you, you'll start doing the things I do, and then, and then there's so much more opportunity for something unexpected to happen to you. And I'm not saying it's impossible for that to happen at home, as you know, but your father, the other scouts, you know about the jackals, right? Corrin nods. My job leads me to people like them. And while there are dangerous things in the world, the worst thing is dangerous people. Because when you run into dangerous people, it's bad things don't happen by accident. Somebody chooses to make bad things happen. Those are the people that I'm here to stop. And if I train you, you'll you'll believe that you can beat them. And what I need you to do is to run away. If you ever meet somebody like that, you have to run. You can't try and fight them. And I know that's hard. And I know, I know how much you'll want to fight them. But while I'm still around, please, you, you're you're the only one left. Um, this sounds like a role. 
I think this is where I'm, I might use the uh, use the hold. Okay. So I think you've got a few options. You could spend your hold to get your charge to do as they say, which is probably like the next time it happens, they will run away. I think is how that will work. Um, you could use your bonds to lean on, which is when you ask someone to do something you want and use bonds you have on them to make things square between yourselves while doing so. If they do it, you erase one bond you marked with them for each thing you ask of them. So yeah, you'd, you'd basically erase a bond in order to get them to do what you want. I, I like I like the idea of using the, the Guardian for this, because it's very much what Briss is about. And if there's one thing I want him to take away from this, it's this. I don't know whether Corin like, reacts straight away. Does Charla have any reaction to this? Charla has a lot of reactions to this. Like, I think Corin has gone quiet. Does Charla respond to basically Briss saying, if you see anything bad, run away? <laughs> um... I think the main reaction that Charla's been kind of fighting back is all of Briss saying, I will be there to protect you. And uh, the, the most dangerous thing are people is one, Briss has not been there and there's been danger everywhere, which we have dealt with. And also Briss has never been there. So as far as Charla can see, uh, Briss has never helped and has not made anything safer at all. But I don't know that Chala's actually saying any of this, but might be quietly fuming. That's awesome. Yay. <laughs> uh, like, I can definitely see this being, like, a conversation you have with Corin later. Yes. Like, when there's some quiet. Chala's normal life, um, like, with family, is kind of avoiding all of the difficult conversations. So I think it'll take more than this conversation for Chala just to straight out yell at Briss. But she's getting close. I think Corin just kind of does like a slow nod and like spends like a moment like just trying to get back to himself. And then like, can we, can we scout some more? Yeah, 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 yeah. And are you like scouting ahead of everyone else? Is that, is that what you're doing? Yeah, I think so. We're not very far ahead. Okay. You probably reach the top of the top of this pass before anyone else does. I think that's the idea, yeah. So you reach the top of the pass and move from one territory into another. And I think this is the first time it's happened on screen. And like, there's just this sudden change. So where the shadow was like windy and always a little bit cold, and like you, you're always bracing yourself against the elements, this place has a stillness to it. There's like a hallowed air that settles everywhere where you walk. There's a mixture at least in this part of it, between trees and graves. Different tributes to the dead. I, I think they vary massively between like what we would consider a gravestone to, to huge stone columns that are marked along the side with thousands of stories about the person inside. Um, there are like ribbons floating from trees and like tapestries that have been buried into the ground. There are places where, where the skeleton itself has been picked clean and kind of like left in a position to, to stand as a memorial to that person. And all amongst these graves, like the forest, the greenery has sprouted up, and it kind of has toppled a lot of them, and it's kind of run rampant. The place that I've got in my mind for this is, there's a place called Abney Park that's near me, and I think it's very much that kind of like mixture between like a, a very natural nature reserve and a place that is like a graveyard and a cemetery. A lot of trees are tall, and go like high into the sky and like are quite bushy, but but like the main the main plant life here, rather than the trees, is like the ivy that covers everything. There are just different creepers that kind of swirl all the way along the tree trunks that, that cover the ground, that cover all of like the headstones. And it just seems to get under your foot wherever you walk. I think, yeah, you're the first people in here. Okay, Corin. So, here's your first lesson. I want you to look very carefully, but everything around you, everything ahead. Tell me what you know about the land here. It's warmer, but it's colder in in a different way. Strange. Yeah, that's good. And there are more of them. More, more of what? It's it's thicker here. The the web of spirits. It it's so much thicker here. It touches everything. You can see it in all of the trees. They've 
And he kind of like looks at one of the trees like a little bit harder and goes like, there's someone in there. And like starts to walk towards it. Karn, wait, 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 wait. I think Briss just looks very, very confused at this moment. And she sort of says, okay, I mean, what, 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 I, was, what I was talking about was the, uh, the trees. Do you see how thick they are? A tree with a thick trunk means, means there's groundwater. It means that somewhere nearby, there'll be fresh water that we can drink. And that's good. And it means it'll probably bear fruit, which we can eat. And there'll be birds and other animals living around them. And we can hunt those, and we can eat. This this land is it's going to be okay for traveling in. And between us, I think, with your help and and you, I suppose, as well, Chella, we can we can find food uh, for for everyone. Will you teach us how to hunt? And like, kind of like tugs on Chella's sleeve. We'd like to learn how to hunt. I'll let's let's try some traps first. I think traps are traps are a good place to start. And then, like, stops listening to you and, like, turns to Charlie and goes, like, then we can learn how to cook them and add them to your cookbook. Okay. That sounds good. Once we know what we've found, I can see if we have any recipes. I think, basically, they just start talking between themselves. I I think we kind of end the scene with, like, Briss being, like, pushed out of the conversation by two excited kids talking. I think Briss breathes a massive sigh of relief. I also have so many questions about bringing Strail into another remnant's territory and what that feels like. So I guess, like, what what do you think it feels like? Well, I imagine Strail reacts as soon as we go over the threshold from being in one remnant's territory to being in another one. Yeah, so we've not really spoken that much about what this feels like. No. Because I think very clearly, in my mind at least, like this isn't Strail possessing you. Strail isn't changing who you are, or at least isn't at the minute. Like this is very much Strail, I guess, hitching a ride. They they very much entered into a place where they were in danger and they already had a connection with you and like this was their way out. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of how I've pictured it as well. That it's kind of like having another set of emotions and thoughts, but not ones that push mine out of the way. Yeah, they're not always on the same level. Like, like it's having like a third consciousness in there, right? Like the, the consciousness, subconsciousness, and then the strail. And like sometimes strail will talk directly to you, and other times like you might be aware that they exist, but you're not really, you're not having a conversation. Your thoughts are your own. So I think what happens here is like, the nature of Strail almost changes a bit. Like, as much as remnants are about a concept or an idea, they're also kind of in opposition to each other. Like, that's how you get these borders, where one remnant's territory ends and another one begins. Like, they're constantly having to assert their ideals against another remnant. I mean, I guess Chala wouldn't know what this remnant felt like before, but what I had in my head is because Chala has a remnant now with her. I thought it might feel like this area is aware of her, that the remnants are aware of each other. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's them like reacting against each other. Like, So there's a sense of almost Strail pushing out from where it is within you and like trying to press its ideals, just ready to react if it needs to react. Um, and I think at the same time, you, you get this feeling of the remnant. We haven't really spoken about the remnant here, but the remnant here is called Doya, and is a remnant kind of centered around grief and memory. And I think as like this, as Strail's force like pushes out, this force pushes in, and you just get like this hit of grief, I guess. And I don't think it's tied to a person in particular. I, I think it's for a place. Like, I think it's like you, you just suddenly remember, um, about Ninut. I feel like this, it would feel familiar with how it was entering Strail before when we, when Chala gave in. Yeah. To be clear, like, Doya's emotion of grief is definitely like heartache and it's, de- it's definitely painful, but it's not about the pain of grief. It's, it's kind of a little bit warmer than that. It, it's very much about remembering through grief and 
like the good parts of her as well as the bad parts. I think Chala would like to reach out to Strail. Okay. To just try and ask if everything is okay. I think you get an image back. And I think you get the image of uh, like a large rock, um, like stood firm. And like all around it is like a river, like with water running and just like sweeping around its sides. Okay. That's enough. One of the things that we've not really spoken about while we're talking about remnants and while we're talking about territories is, I guess there's a lot based on the idea of tribute as you're entering a remnants territory. Like you can go through a remnants territory and not like deal with this. But I think most of you would know that like it's usually a good idea to offer some kind of tribute when you pass through a remnants territory. So maybe we end this session with... Um, so I think Briss, Charla, and Corinne are stood on the top of the canyon, uh, stood in like Senya, just, you know, maybe like a hundred meters into this territory. And I think it'd be like nice to just have a scene where like you're all together and maybe like Venz and Belka join you. So this moment where you're all stood together and I guess either looking behind you or looking ahead and which one are you doing? Like which one's more important? Uh, Briss hears them coming because Belka. <laughs> and also because Brit pretty pretty aware of her surroundings. And as they walk up, she's sort of a little bit subdued after the conversation earlier. She sort of says, Look, I just I just want to go on the record. I think this is a terrible idea. But I'm gonna do my best, okay? There's something about this place I don't like it. Think maybe Venz reaches the the crest of the hill and just looks out and everything to come and maybe turns to the others and says now's not the time to look back we can we can worry about what's come to pass later we need to try and fix what went wrong from what Felder says we're going to have to come back and deal with what's behind us and honestly that scares me more than anything that's ever happened how are we supposed to deal with with that by learning, by growing, and by improving, if we can't, we don't stand a chance. Together we can make a difference. We've all been trying to act alone, and maybe now is the time that we do what we can together to save our home. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. Anyway, m maybe we should camp up here. We haven't travelled far, but I feel like we've... We've come quite a long way today. Um, yeah, I think we cut there for the session. And we probably get like a slow pen out until it goes from like focusing on like your small group to like focusing on like the landscape of the canyon and like we can see in the shot the caravan of people slowly making their way up the cliff face and gradually arriving together, beginning to set up what little shelter they've got and settle down for the night in a new land. <laughs>